Welcome back into another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 113. I'm your host, Carter E., joined as always by producer Jeff Mulvihill, Jr. of InstImage.com. We are on the opposite end of computer screens today. We got plenty to talk about, though, between Douglas Boys, Douglas Wrestling, and uh, some Carson basketball games as well. Uh, Jeff was at, at the Carson basketball games Friday. I was in Minden Friday and Saturday for the the likes of Douglas basketball against Reed and the first annual Steve Deaton Memorial Tournament. But before we get into any more of that, would like to thank today's sponsor, that is Played Against Sports, your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs. You can check them out in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center or online at www.playedagainstsports.com. Jeff, you know, I was going to start with uh, some Douglas stuff, but... Carson girls basketball picked up the first league win since January 6th of 2022. They did so over McQueen 51 39. They even trailed by six after the end of the first quarter. What did you see from them that you think allowed them to pick up that, that win over McQueen fight? They fought, they kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And it, it got to the point where they started believing that they could win and they kept they kept their foot on the gas the whole time. Even at the very last bit of the game, they were still fighting, and that was fantastic to see. You know, they, they've gotten, and we can be honest here, they've gotten blown out in some games, and that gets kind of frustrating and demoralizing, and they just kept fighting. Never once saw, you know, it almost goes to the stuff we've talked about with Douglas girls. You know, there's five or six, seven or eight kids that can score, and Keely Franco threw up a couple and they went and you should have seen her exuberance. It was awesome to see because she was so excited that she made, she did pretty well. I think what she scored, like she finished with 11 points yeah. and four assists. Yeah. So, and she was jazzed about it. So, you know, and, and I think it kind of uplifts the whole team. It's like, well, yeah, Hey, oh, you know, we're all hitting and you know, there's a chance we can do this. And they just kept fighting. It was, it was great to see. Yeah, along with uh, Keely Franco's 11 points, Lauren Finnerty had 16 points, 6 boards, and 6 steals. Uh, as a team, according to the max prep steps I'm looking at, Senators finished the game with 24 steals, which is uh, a lot. I mean, that's that's some good defense right there. And, you know, 24 steals, that's going to get you, you know, I mean, obviously they, I think they had about 19 or 20 turnovers, but that's still an extra 4 or 5 possessions if you're not counting, you know, rebounds uh, and all that. So, that's a that's 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 really good signs. Like that's that's what you're looking for when well, to get these wins. Obviously, getting getting the win itself was a, was a big deal. But you, I'm sure, kind of the way you you said it, and just from the stats, you can kind of see where they were able to differentiate themselves. And uh, I think the fact that they even trailed after one is is a big deal. I mean, it's it, you know people may not think of it coming back from down six as like a huge comeback, but um, you know that tends to be where this team has kind of. Like you said, n- kind of stopped fighting at times once they fall behind, and uh, so to hear that is is <clears throat> optimistic for that for the Senators girls moving forward. I know they still got some some time left in league play to maybe get another one, um, but that'll that'll definitely keep things interesting, um, especially come come regional playoff time. On the boys' side, uh, McQueen down Carson fifty four forty eight. I don't have any stats for that on my end. I guess I'm curious from what you saw, Jeff, and your takeaways from that one. I almost think, I almost think they kind of got bullied a little. McQueen's got some big guys, and yeah. they were good on the double team under the basket. So try to drop it into 
Mo was under there a couple of times. Jordan was under there quite a few times and they just kind of pushed him around. Um, and he's a big kid. He can, he can definitely mm-hmm. hold his own. But when there's two guys that are as big or bigger than you kind of pushing you around, it, it, it really kind of hurts on the, on the inside. Uh, and those, those two kids are huge. Uh, I don't know if they're yeah, six, you're four or something. You're, Specifically referencing Kate Snyder, who had 20 points and 17 rebounds yeah. um, in the win over Carson there. And it looks like junior Alex Hancock had eight points and 15 boards um, for McQueen as well. So sorry, guys. We'll get some Carson stats when, when they're online. But at the moment, that's that's all we got as far as stats go. Uh, the, the Carson boys still looking for that, that first league win. But another situation where uh, they're kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of been a weird team to, I don't want to say judge, because they really haven't been at full strength much at all this year between missing their, you know, all region point guard from last year, having some starters miss games throughout, you know, throughout the season so far. It's been, it's been weird to see them not at a hundred percent. And so I guess I'm, I'm very curious to see just how dangerous and what they may look like down this home stretch of the season. Now that they appear to be, you know, back with, with everybody on the bench and able to play. Yeah, Michael makes a difference. And it, it took him a few minutes to kind of get his, I, I call him basketball legs, because uh, there was a couple of right at the beginning, he was a little, it's like that's not the Michael of old. So I think he was kind of trying to, you know, shiny new car, sorting it out, trying to figure out how it works and it, and is it going to work. And uh, then he, he got more confidence and you could really kind of see him evolve during the game and, uh, late later in the second half, which I'm sure the stats will show, he he started hitting some some buckets and getting some confidence. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting. That's one of the things Ty's going to have to sort out. Is up to this point, he hasn't been in the game. So who who controls the ball? Who brings the ball up the court? And now having some kids that have half a season of some experience, and then add him in who has experience from years past. Uh, it'll be. I'll be curious to see what happens with the with the point guards and who's going to be handling the ball and how that might kind of help them and make them a little different than they were the first round go around. Yeah, it might take more than a few minutes for uh, Hughes to get get fully underneath yeah. himself. I mean, you go you go as long as it is off a off an injury that I think required surgery. Uh, you know, that's that's just just how it goes. Um, so. Yeah, very curious to see what this Carson boys team looks like the rest of the way. I don't think, you know, it's it's a little bit of a cliche, but I really don't think their record quite indicates what they're capable of. Um, I'm not necessarily sure we've seen them of what they're fully capable of yet, but um, I do think they are absolutely a team that that can scare some some teams, especially uh, come regional tournament time if you know they're taking all all nine there. Um, <clears throat> jumping over to Douglas, where the Douglas girls beat Reed 56-21. Jeff, I think the most impressive thing about this win, and I wrote it in the recap, was uh, Douglas gave up 11 points in the first quarter. They gave up 10 combined in the second, third, and fourth quarters yeah. uh, to win that one by 35. I read your recap, and I'm like, that's, I mean, that's, talk about extinguish. They are as advertised for sure. They now have a little bit of a breathing room for that two seed in the 4A North with uh, Spanish Springs loss early last week to Damani, I believe, on the girls' side. So uh, Minogue, last I checked, is sitting there at 9-0, 10-0. Douglas is 9-1, and and then Spanish Springs is 7-3. Of course, 
Douglas Minogue Thursday in Mind- or in uh, Reno, excuse me, at Minogue. That will be a doozy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the last if if it's not the last time they see each other this year either. I could see that being a a, a very fun regional final. Um, I will say real briefly here, Ashlyn Greenfield, her third double-digit points game in a row. She had 16. Um, when she gets hot, I don't know what other teams are supposed to do because as we've we've discussed, they've you know Douglas can score from anywhere, but you know teams to tend to try to like to throw zone in them because the best way to you know beat a zone is to just shoot your way out of it and um man if they give any a couple of those tiger guards an open look on on the wing it's it's been getting knocked down recently and and that's uh that's perfect you bring them back to man to man then you start going back inside and um that's it's a perfect formula for for the douglas girls who you know continue to just kind of blow away teams that they they should beat and you know we'll see what what happens this week with a big big meeting against bishop minogue on on thursday that'll be that'll be a big one for the one seed and kind of get a at least for me get a look at what the miners look like once again without jalen yarrow be be curious i know they they you know have continued to win still a very very strong program overall but Maybe, maybe this is the time that the, the Tigers get them. We'll see. It was a uh, sixty to forty four minors in their first meeting this season, but that does not shape the second and potentially third meeting in the regional tournament. So we'll, we will see how that shakes out. On the boys' side, that followed that game, the Douglas boys fell to Reed seventy seven seventy three. I think the biggest thing about this loss was kind of twofold. For the coaching staff, it was definitely the Douglas's defense was not not up to their standards by by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the other bigger part of it was that it was a chance for Douglas to to get a little breathing room of their own in the four A North. And right now, because of their loss and McQueen's win, there are four teams at five and five in the four A North between third and seventh. So it's I mean it could really you could go from getting a home playoff game to playing you know at Reno or Damani at the, the way this is shaping up in the 4A North. So it's very interesting to see see how that's going to play out. And, you know, obviously Douglas wanted to defend home court, but just didn't happen. They were down 16 points early in the fourth quarter. Uh, as you know, by the final, they were able to cut it to four, scored 31 points in the fourth quarter. So the offense was clicking, but defense couldn't really slow TJ Coulter down, who finished with 43 for Reed. He just really just couldn't miss and I think that was kind of one of the, the criticisms from the coaching staff is that they, instead of going up and over screens, they were going under screens and it was giving him enough space to step into shots and he made them pay. I'm not sure how many three, he I think he had seven threes. I think he might've only taken nine attempts. Like it was, it was, it was a shooting display to, to behold. And, you know, I mean, sometimes when, when, players get hot there's really not much you can do about it unless you're you are in their face uh jet lehman finishes with 23 points seven rebounds four assists and three steals caden thacker had 18 points six rebounds three assists two steals trace estes and kyle coots both added 10 points there for the tigers but like i said they're now tied with reed at five and five in league play there so that boys, uh, boys, four A North has yet to really shake itself into a, into a standings where you can kind of start piecing together who might who might face who. And granted, there's still six games left in in the league. That probably wasn't going to be the case today, anyways. But fascinated to see how that finishes up. 
Uh, Jeff, before we get into Douglas wrestling and, you know, apologies to all the, the wrestling folks here, uh, because I know we've, we've talked a lot about, about wrestling and forgive me, we're going to, we're going to talk Carson wrestling too. Uh, I got to make sure I get that pulled up here. But uh, before we get into that, I, I do want to touch on the NIAA board of control meeting. That was this, this past week, you saw some interesting stuff as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was, I don't want to say heated cause we've seen much more heated uh, meetings <laughs> when it comes to realignment or the pandemic or, or whatever. Um, but really the two, the two main issues I want to talk to, I won't, won't discuss it all at length, but uh, I was not, exp- I did, I, I know there have been issues with state golf. I know they have not been able to finish rounds, right? They've been going into day two and they've been calling day two, like after 15 holes or 16 holes, which is just going to cause issues. And clearly it has because NIAA executive director, Donnie Nelson was, I mean, he used the word fearful about the future of golf in the state of Nevada, just because of their inability to get tee times, especially down in uh, Southern, Southern Nevada with, you know, some of these courses can charge 150, 200 bucks a person for a tee time. So when you're trying to get in high school kids for free, uh, a you're not getting the tee times that you know where it allows you to finish in time, and and b you know, as they said, you can only really rely on the courses to be so generous. I mean, when you talk about the loss of revenue in a day or in two days, even it's it can be a tough sell for a business a business side of things and. You know, I, everybody loves good PR, but if it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars on the back end, I don't, I just don't know how good, good a PR is. And, you know, I really don't want to see golf disappear. We've had some great teams, some incredible players, several gone on to play, you know, college golf at division one level or, or below. I mean, it's, especially in Northern Nevada, there are some really good golfers. So it would be, a, it would be a shame to, to see it at leave as a high school sport. Now those those kids who are golfing will probably still go on to play big time college golf regardless because of, uh, you know, club golf and all, all that jazz. But I think it would be, it would be a, it would be a really tough day for, for Nevada prep sports. If, if golf goes by the wayside and I'm not sure I have the perfect answer here on Monday, January 22nd at nine 30 in the morning, but it, it is too bad. It is too bad that that's, that's a potential outcome. And, um, you know, again, it, I think, a lot of it just comes down to this state being just so unique as far as where populations are, where they have to play these tournaments, you know, and and the kind of concessions they have to make, whether it's in the south or in the north. And that's what I was going to get to with wrestling, where they've now decided that the state tournament this year will be in Bullhead, Arizona, which is just across the river from Nevada. I, I think people are getting too caught up in the fact that it, it says Arizona on the address when it, it I mean... It's it's south of Vegas. It's out of the way, especially for northern Nevada teams. I'm not necessarily sure the concern should be with where this year's tournament is, because this year's going to sounds like it's going to be much like the years to come where they're not sure where they're going to host it. They don't have, you know, venues set up. And from from my understanding, from watching the meeting, they don't have the financial brute to, to hold down venues. Right. You can't. You're definitely not competing against the Super Bowl, which is the same weekend as state wrestling this year. The Mountain West basketball tournament down in uh, Southern Nevada is—they're getting those venues first. You bring in any any concerts, any you know big time artists that want to you know sell out an arena, they're going to bump high school sports. Like it is as frustrating as it is for 
for the wrestling crowd, I yeah, I, I'm not sure. You know, the the consolation is to only hold it in the north, but Las Vegas has two million people. Like they they they've got the majority of high school students, so it's it's a really weird really weird time as far as venues and expense concerns go for the NIAA and I'm really hoping it doesn't carry over to have long-term substantial consequences for high school athletes some of this to me is 2023 poor planning especially with the Super Bowl how many years have we known that the Super Bowl was going to be here so why didn't why weren't we paying attention we being Nevada paying attention to you do not want to be in Las Vegas unless you are going or, you know, you're going to a Super Bowl party or whatever. It's absolute mayhem. And it's here. So that's going to make it 10 times worse than it was just as a normal event. And I, I just... The Super Bowl in Las Vegas has been scheduled for a couple of years. So this isn't... This is shame on us, in my opinion. Us Nevadans, high school sports, you know, those around it. I, I just... I mean, I'm in Las Vegas right now, and there's that's the kind of stuff that goes on. We This event that I'm at, we have every year, and we balance in and out of where the Super Bowl is and where other things are and what time, and, and we're in the middle of the week and on purpose because we don't want to have to deal with the crowds. So I, I they got to have a little bit more forethought on this thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that for sure, and... Uh, it's going to be a one-day event. It's usually a two-day event, and a one-day event, from the sounds of it, it's going to go from 7 a.m. to about 11 p.m., if not longer. Uh, I think that was mostly driven by the fact that they're trying to save teams money for coming down that weekend, right? Because, like I said, there's no venues. There doesn't sound like there's many hotel options either. So that's, I think, I think part of the, the, the logic there. But, yeah, I agree. There's... I wish I wish I had more more solid answers here for for this episode of the podcast. But I think I think it's just something you have to watch super closely moving forward. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, wrestling parents and wrestling students are concerned, I think it might be time to really start speaking up. Like, I mean, because you, you can talk to anybody in the, the wrestling community and I think a general number of them feel like they get the short end of the stick come winter sports pretty much yearly. And so I. I, I think it's going to be time for, for the wrestling community to start making some stink. And I am I got a lot of responses on Twitter of, you know, just put it back in the north, which I kind of addressed just a second ago. Or, you know, it has to be at a big venue because we have all these other state tournaments at a big venue. And I see the logic on its face in that. But that only works so far if you're getting, you know, beat out by Taylor Swift and Beyonce coming to Vegas along with all these other sporting events that are going on. Like you can sit here and say you want a bigger venue, but if they just aren't available, I, I don't know what, what you're going to do. And it seemed to be that the, the discussion, and while this wasn't a solution necessarily, but the discussion was that high schools should host it moving forward. And I do think that would clean up a lot of the issues they're facing now. But again, that doesn't solve the fact that wrestling feels like they get slighted where basketball will go play at the Thomas and Mac or up here at uh, up at Nevada and, you know, play in these big, big arenas that, you know, don't even come close to filling up. And that's the biggest problem financially is that how do you how do you reserve an arena for 3000 fans when you've got a potential concert that can sell 15,000 tickets and and you know how Vegas is they're not 
you can't then they won't they won't give the NIAA preference to hold a venue no. when it comes to to that it's it's a business and like I said a second ago as good as the PR is for allowing you know high school kids to come in and play unless somebody really steps up year after year they as as Donnie Nelson said they do not have an annual venue there are plenty of states that have you know these venues picked out um, and they know every year we're going to such and such arena to have the state wrestling tournament and that's not the case in Nevada because Nevada's got to bounce between north and south and you know I was joking with somebody maybe it's time for somebody to dump a bunch of money into some tiny little town in the middle of Nevada and that's our solution <laughs> and just somebody with uh yeah somebody with uh, with a few a few uh, extra millions of dollars can come build a build an arena in Tonopah and everybody will just travel to the center and that'll that'll solve everything yeah and so i don't know if you have any you leave <laughs> yeah, i don't know if you have any other thoughts on on that before i switch over to rest uh the wrestling results from this weekend but it was one of the more interesting board of control meetings i've i've covered i think it, it almost seems like an understaffed kind of thing i know that the niaa is trying to run super slim on staff but you, you just just take a look at winter sports, which is less than half of what fall sports have. And I'll be fall sports is a little different because you can go outside and there's, there's, you know, Carson high school has hosted state. So, you know, that's not a huge venue. They're not playing. They're not playing the, the state soccer championships in, in big stadiums, but wrestling is, I mean, you have to, to to try to get all of the different size schools all at the same facility at the same time. You, you're going to have to go midweek. I get why they go Saturday, Sunday, but the kids are already missing school. The kids are already checked out if they're in the state tournament because they're so focused on what they're doing. If we move it to the middle of the week, you don't have competition for a venue. The Super Bowl is not going to be played on a Wednesday. It's never unless something really strange happens. So it won't be right. I think it's, it's pretty, the it's, NFL runs things. It won't be right. So I, I think we need to start kind of opening the minds and thinking some alternative ideas on how to handle this stuff. Well, I will give, I, I will give the NIAA some, some credit there. That was something I didn't mention was they did. They did bring up the fact that it was, it was coaches that wanted to have everyone in the same building. Um, and the NIAA counter by saying, I don't think we can do that in the future. However, I did hear a very interesting counterpoint with the addition of, of girls wrestling as a not yet sanctioned, but soon to be sanctioned sport. Some of these, some of these coaches don't have any choice, but to be in one place, they don't have, they don't have the staff to have, you know, two teams or teams in two different locations. Uh, it's just not feasible. So it's a really interesting uh spot to be in right now and again I, I keep restating myself i wish i had some sort of answer to be like hey if we did this here's a solution but i'm not sure at the second there is one and i think i think it's just going to require you know a lot a lot more push and a lot more want to here you know now setting up for next year yeah. and making sure this stuff is is playing ahead of time but then you come back to the nobody's going to hold a venue for you for that long because yeah. you don't you they're not going to make enough money. So I don't know. I Well, I believe state basketball this year is at Mackey at Nevada. And I believe it's Wednesday, Thursday, not on the weekend. So I'm curious. 
know, somebody made that decision. Obviously, the venue's open. Uh, Nevada's doing well this year, so uh, I'll be curious to see if that has some impact on how many people are able to attend. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't talk about Nevada on the podcast. They've lost three in a row since we mentioned it. That's uh, not our fault. Ago, so. <laughs> it, might, it might be Duke's fault. It's not yeah, our fault. Ah, there kidding. we go. Blame <laughs> it on Duke. Just, just, just play it. Just play it. All right. Enough of uh, enough of the NIAA uh, stuff. Let's get into some wrestling results here before we get out of here. I'm going to start with the Carson results I have. They went and took second place at the Placer Duels. They went 3-0 and going through pool play. They beat Nevada Union 59-24, beat Oak Ridge 54-27, and then beat Central Valley out of Modesto 47-30. In the semifinals, they walloped Castle Robles. Carson won that 63-18. Uh, in the finals, though, they fell to Golden Valley 43-22. Jesse Oliva, Lucas Wold, and Keona Bassa all went undefeated over the course of the dual tournament there. So congrats to Carson on a second place finish there. Flipping over to Douglas, like I said, they hosted their first annual Steve D Memorial Tournament. Probably should have been the second one, but snow last year caused a lot of complications across the board, so they weren't able to get this one done last year. However, Douglas as a team took second overall behind Fernley. Uh, had several champions on the boys' side. Gunnar Bleeker at 113, Colton Zinn at 150, Aaron Tekanzik at 190, and Sage 80 at 215. All won their respective weight brackets there. Ella Cavanaugh on the girls' side was first at a, in 100 pounds. In second place, Kai Blumenthal and Isaac Conkle uh, at 126 and 175 pounds, respectively. On the girls' side, Bliss Moody was second at 120 pounds. Jasmine Tamadon was third at 114. And then Monique Alloway was third at 132. She had to beat her sister in the Constellation <laughs> semifinals in order to get to that third place match. So that was a little interesting wrinkle there. Overall, a, a fun tournament, a good good tournament to be at. Five mats going in two different, I mean, I wouldn't say two different locations, but they were really just, you know, a short walk from each other. Uh, two different gyms, if you will. But a lot going on there. I think it was something like 19 teams to finish up and uh, I appreciate the the kids and of course coach Jake Fair for kind of let me let me pry into what it meant to them to actually put this tournament on after uh, coach Deaton passed away in 2022. So uh, I, I know it was it was a little emotional for them and you know I know they were also uh, really ecstatic to kind of put on a show for everybody who who was there as well and and I think they did that everybody I talked to was was really proud with how they they finished up and I think this Carson Douglas duel coming up here next week is going to be is going to be a doozy. I it, it it sure seems to shape up that way. They both seem to put up pretty close statistical results on a on a week in week out basis. We do have some scheduling updates though. Uh, that Carson that first Carson home duel against Damani. Ooh, Damani was it Damani McQueen? It was Damani and somebody else. Yeah, that was supposed to be. Last week or two weeks ago, that got moved because of the one the one the snowfall one we've had day. this year uh, is now January 30th, which if that sounds awfully close to the Douglas duel, it's because it is uh, Douglas duel will be January 31st. So Carson Wrestling is going to have back to back home triangulars. And uh, as we discussed, I mean, if you're if you're coach Nick Redwine, I think the, the goal is obviously to win first and foremost, but then secondary is hope you. You come out of day one fairly unscathed because you don't have any rest time um, for for any wrestlers to get back into action if, if they tweak something or, or manage to get it, or injured in any way. We're well, looking forward to that. We will have plenty more, of course, 
in the newspaper in the NevadaPeel.com backslash news backslash sport as well as the record courier. That's going to do it for episode 113 of Behind the Bench. Thank you to Played Against Sports for being today's sponsor. Your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs. You can also check them out in the Tossie Lane Shopping Center or online at www.playedagainstsports.com. Thank you to my producer, Jeff Mulvihill of InstaImage.com. And we'll catch you guys next week. Take it easy. <laughs>